For our sermon today, we're going to focus on the words of our first scripture reading, Genesis chapter 1. It's on page 5 and 6 in your bulletin. If you want to have your bulletin open, we're going to be referring to this text throughout the sermon. Typically, when we talk about Genesis chapter 1, one of the main discussion points seems to be the evolution debate. Today, I'm not going to talk about the evolution debate. However, I I do want to simply say this. We are an Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod congregation, which means that we believe that the world was created in six 24-hour days. Um, And I know that for some people, that is a very simplistic and uneducated answer for some about the creation of this world. However, I believe that that answer comes from the most wise and intelligent being on the face of the earth, our God who put faith into my heart to be able to believe something that maybe goes past logic and goes past what some scientists say. And so I believe that God did create this world in six 24-hour days. And my faith, I believe, is backed up by science because God created science. However, my faith does not depend on science. My faith depends on what God's Word says. So if there are some of you who struggle with the idea of evolution versus creation, I would simply challenge you with this question. If God, in Genesis chapter 1, was not trying to tell us how the world was created, what was he trying to tell us? Enough said. If you'd like to talk to me about the evolution uh, debate later on, please talk to me, contact me, and and we'll, we'll do that. For now, I'd like to talk about a, a different a problem that I think we are facing here in, in the world, in New York City, according to what many journalists are saying, uh, the problem of narcissism. That is, there are people that say that this generation is suffering more than other generations of believing that the entire world revolves around them. One of the reasons why they say that is because of the rise of plastic surgery, the rise of social networking, as well as the rise of soccer teams who hand out trophies to everybody, whether or not they win or lose. Right? And so they, they look at these things and say, there is a problem. People are more self-centered than in past. And, and I'm not here today to debate with you which generation in the past is, is more narcissistic, which one really does believe that the world centers around them only. But I do want to have you consider for today that, that phrase that we use very often that usually has a negative connotation to it, that you think the world revolves around you. Now, that, that phrase, I want you to think about that. It's always used in a negative context when we talk about other people that way. But as we look at Genesis chapter 1, I want you to think about around whom does the world really revolve? And a question that goes along with that is a philosophical question that has been around for far too long that some people say there is no answer to it is, why did God even bother creating this universe and this world and you in the first place? Consider those questions as we go through our sermon today. So let's start in the beginning. It says in verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. Now, right in the very first phrase, we have two very important characteristics, attributes, if you will, of our God. The first one, we see that God is eternal. God is eternal. That means God has no beginning or end. And just understanding that concept alone is difficult for us to grasp because, well, everything for us has a beginning and an end. Everything for us is temporary. 
as we see it in this world. But God has no beginning or an end. And we also see his power here in these verses where it says God created, and he specifically created out of nothing. That's a very specific word in the Hebrew that says that's devoted to God who creates out of nothing. Not like you and me who when we create something, we need materials and ingredients. God had nothing. It was simply created by his powerful word. So we go back to the question again. Why would an eternal and all-powerful God even bother creating a universe, let alone creating us? Let's go to verse 2. And what we see here in verse 2 is that this world, the universe, was not beautiful yet. And it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now it sounds like a miserable place, doesn't it? There was matter, but it was not organized matter. And it's kind of like what God, what God did was he created this lump of clay. And like an artist, he was about to form and create and make this this unorganized matter into something beautiful. But he was thinking about who he was going to make it for all the while. Now here is where we see the power of our triune God. Today is a Trinity Sunday. And so we get to contemplate as well. See, this, these, this verse, these verses have been chosen for Trinity Sunday because we can see, and yet in a subtle way, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit creating actively creating. Now we can see God the Father. You see, typically people give the credit for creating this world to God the Father. He's the one who did that. But can you see the other two persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit and the Son? Look at verse 2 again. It says, The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the Holy Spirit was there, not just floating over everything that God was going to create, but He was there actively creating alongside God the Father. But do you see God the Son there? Do you see Jesus? Do you see the second person of the Trinity? Well, we know that he was there because in John chapter 1, many of you remember, it says these words. It says, this is talking about God when it talks about the Word. It says, in the beginning, I'm sorry, it talks about Jesus when it says, mentions the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you scroll down a little bit further in that chapter, you see how it's talking specifically about Jesus. Okay? But it goes on in verse 2 in John chapter 1 to say, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things was, were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. So we know that Jesus was there in the beginning creating, alongside God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But where? Where do you see Him? He is the Word, right? Jesus is referred to as the Word. And what was it that created this world? God's powerful Word. Right? In fact, you see it at the start of every single one of the days of creation where it says over and over again, and God said, and God said. It was that powerful Word which created. So we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're actively creating in this world. But we go back to that question again. Why? Why was he creating? Why did he create this world? Let's go through the different days of creation. Day one, God created light. Right? There was no sun, moon, or stars yet, but God created light, which makes sense when, as God thinks in the future of what he's going to be making, there can be no animals, no vegetation, no human beings who can live and survive without light. So he creates light. 
day two, there was an expanse which is called the sky. Right? There's now a little bit more order to the chaos that, that was there. Day three, it says there is dry ground and water, separation so to form dry ground and water, but he also made on that day vegetation. Just notice how God does these things in order because the vegetation would not have been able to survive without dirt and water and light that God created beforehand. It was all in a specific order. But, so that's what vegetation needed to survive, but who's going to need vegetation in the future? God's thinking about all these different things. Day four, it says, God created sun, moon, and stars. There was now more order with the seasons, to mark, as it says, to mark the seasons and years and days. But why did God need to know what time it was? Why did God need to know how many years had gone by? He didn't. So who are these stars, sun, moon, and stars marking for? God was thinking about those people who in the future would look at the stars and mark the seasons and days and years. Go to day five. It says uh, we have even more life. We have fish and birds on this day. These fish and birds were given the ability to, an incredible ability to multiply, to reproduce on their own. And same thing he did for vegetation. God did not just create vegetation and fish and birds, but he gave them the, the ability to reproduce themselves. There we see the wisdom of our God, right? It goes on in day six. We see the diverse and complex land animals. He mentions Three types specifically, livestock, crawling things, I call them, and, and wild animals. It seems as if this chaos has turned into order. Right? But then God stops for a moment. He thinks and he contemplates what's going to come next. And, and it's as if uh, an artist is about to unveil his magnus opus to the world and he gets the entire gallery ready for everyone to see it. To show to the world this, this perfect creation, the crown of his creation, mankind. And what we see as, as God creates mankind, he does it in a very special, unique way that is different from every other piece of God's creation. And I want you to think about in the way it's different. Uh, looked at verse 26 in, in Genesis chapter 1. This is what it says. It starts off by saying this, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. No other part of God's creation was created in his image and in his likeness. This was something specially reserved for mankind. Keep that in the back of your head. We're going to get back to that in just a second, what the image of God and the likeness of God really is. Move forward. It says, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. And they're all the creatures that move along the ground. So, so God gave them responsibility. He gave to them this entire world, said, now you are in charge of it, you are to rule over it. Right? Move ahead to verse 29, it adds this command to mankind. He says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth. So God's creation was given to mankind to be in charge of it, be, uh, to take care of it, but also God gave it to them so that Creation could take care of man, right? In the sense that, that mankind could live off of it. All of it was created for mankind. All of it was leading up to the greatest part of God's creation, mankind. And so in a sense, the world does revolve around us, doesn't it? God made this entire world for you and me. But we're still left with the question, why? Why did he do it? 
in the first place. Let's go back to the beginning of verse 26. Remember what it says there? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. The, the very, that is the, the most unique part of the way that God created us, in his image and in his likeness. Well, what does that mean? One thing we know it does not mean is that God, did, in, in his image, doesn't mean that we physically look like him. You know, God is spirit. We shouldn't think that, that God created us to have as if he has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Right? So if that's not what it means, what does it mean? Well, admittedly, we have to say that in our current sinful and corrupted state, we can never completely understand all the different aspects that go along with this uh, concept of the image of God that, that God tells us about here. But we can say this, that the image of God that he gave to us was a special link that caused a relationship between God himself and his creation, specifically mankind that he gave to us. So we go back to the question again, why did God create the universe? Why did he create you and me? He wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to be with us. And so every day of creation, it was, he was thinking about what you would like to have as he formed and carved out the mountains and, and, and built the seas and, and the rivers and the oceans and, uh, and the lakes, everything, he was thinking about what you would like to see. As he picked out and chose different colors for this world, he was thinking about you and what you would be able to call beautiful. As he formed the different types of vegetation, plants and fruits and vegetables, he was thinking about what tastes you would like to have someday. All of it was done for you. The world does revolve around us. Right? And I, th- I think of it like this, in the same way of a wedding, right? where there are so many different preparations that take place for a wedding, decorations that are put up everywhere, that the amount of time spent on choosing food and the servers and the dresses and the outfits that people have on that day. But on the day of the wedding, everybody knows what the wedding's all about. They're not going to be distracted by anything else. They know what the purpose of it is, to celebrate a new relationship that has been formed. And that's what happened during creation. God created this incredible world for you and me and established a link between us and him that we call the image of God so that he could be with us forever. While God valued our relationship with him, As you know, mankind didn't. And I don't even think we need to page over a couple pages in our Bible to see what happened in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve fell into sin. What they did was they took for granted the beautiful blessings of God's creation. Even worse, they took for granted God's special relationship that they had with him. Before we cast stones at Adam and Eve and blame them for the problems of this world, I think we need to look at our own selves too. Have we ever taken for granted God's creation and the blessings that he's given to us? Have we taken for granted our spouse, our children, our parents, our friends, our family, our job, our 
apartment, our, our money, the way we use it? Do we ever take for granted the incredible blessings God has given to us? Even worse, do we at times take for granted our faith? Do we take for granted our relationship with God? It's humbling enough to consider how this all-powerful and eternal God decided to create us and create so much for us so that we can say that the world really does revolve around us. And it's hum- but it's even more humbling when we consider that after God gave to us everything, we took for granted not only the creation, but we took for granted his special relationship with him. And I know as we think about this text today and think about just appreciating the things that God has given to us and appreciating our relationship with him, I do think that we have to be careful of not just kind of brushing this off, saying, okay, shame, shame, I'll appreciate more blessings that God gives me in the future. Because realize what taking for granted everything that God gave to us did. It destroyed this world completely. Worse yet, it destroyed our relationship with God, which was the entire purpose for which God made this world. But just as our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created this world, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit also worked together to reestablish the link between us and Him and reestablish our relationship with Him. And that's what we get to see today through this Genesis text is is we get to compare this about what God did in the very beginning to what God has done and continues to do to establish and to preserve our relationship with him. So think about God the Father. What has God the Father done in the past to reestablish this link with him? Well, remember what God the Father did? He chose you before the creation of the world, knew you by name, called you a child of God, and that decision that he made about you before the world was even created is what caused him to send his son into this world for you. The word, right? The word Jesus came into this world, was born as a babe in Bethlehem. For us. And that same word who spoke on those, day, those first days of creation to change this world, to create this world, spoke one more very powerful word to change this world forever. It is finished. Which he shouted out from the cross for us. And the Holy Spirit, who, is, who we see in Genesis as hovering over the, the deep darkness, the emptiness, the void that was there, that Holy Spirit came into our hearts, which looked just as dreary and dark. Looked as if there was absolutely no potential for life, but he created, didn't he? He created faith and reestablished our link with God. So the Word, the Word who appeared 2,000 years ago when he was born, is, as we know, he's going to appear one more time. And just consider for a moment what's going to happen when the word Jesus appears. As we see in the very beginning of Genesis, a perfect world was created. The Garden of Eden was created with a tree of life that was there. Well, in the very end of the book, in Revelation, we see again the tree of life. Just as as we see in Genesis how God created this brand new world for us, we see in the very end of the book in Revelation that God is going to create new heavens and new earth for us. See, this world does revolve around us, but not because of how great we are, because of how great 
our God is. So today on on Trinity Sunday, I ask you to simply appreciate, consider the blessings that God has given to you. Consider everything that he has done for you. Put them into your lives. But most importantly, I want you to appreciate today the relationship that he formed with you, which he thought about before this world even existed, which he desired so much so that he sent his son into this world to save us so that he could be with us forever. Amen.